It was a love Buffy thought was true. Now, the man she learned to trust. I want you to tell me, who are you? Is not who he appears to be. This all started because of you. Welcome to the Whirlwind, also known as If the Apocalypse Comes, Beat Me, a silly Queer's podcast about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where we take a look at each episode according to its original air date 20 years ago. And this week's episode is Season 4, Episode 14, Goodbye, Iowa. We'll be talking about plot. We'll be talking about characters. We'll be talking about pre-code Hollywood. What's that? I don't know. Let's find out together. So spoilers abound for this episode, every episode before it, after it, the comic books, and possibly even other shows and movies. So don your yummy sushi pajamas and get comfy on your favorite beach ball, because it's time for Beat Me. Welcome back, everybody, all both of you, who who are both of you, Stacia, co-host number one, say hello. Hello. Daniel, co-host number red, say hello. I was going to use the commanding if I wasn't wearing my yummy sushi pajamas, but you fucking took oh, it. Sorry, man. It's too good not to use. My name's Kelly, and I'm here to talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, specifically episode 14 of season four, Goodbye Iowa, originally aired on... Fart sound. <laughs> Originally aired Fart Sound fifteenth, two thousand. No. No. Originally Say that again. <laughs> Originally aired February fifteenth of the year of our Lord two thousand. And nothing, just two thousand. Uh, written by Marty Noxon of Marty Noxon fame. And finally we get the last third of the three team writing. Yes. <laughs> of the episode Doomed. So uh, this is the fifteenth episode of twenty three for the series that she will write, as I mentioned. Previously, one third of Doomed was the last one she did. The next one will be New Moon Rising, directed by David Solomon. Four of nineteen for the series for him. The last one was Beer Bad, and the next one will be Where the Wild Things Are. Another Sucks. terrible episode. But he got Beer Bad. So, and as we've learned through doing this podcast, so Beer bad. bad, not actually that bad. Uh, but what did happen in this episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Well, let me tell you, if I can remember. Because it's pretty forgettable. So we pick up exactly where we left off. Maggie Walsh is dead and Buffy has run back to the Scoobies. She doesn't know Buffy's. She doesn't know Maggie's dead. But uh, she's run back to the Scoobies because Maggie tried to kill her. And she's telling the group, hey, it turns out the initiative of the secret scientists, military guys are actually bad guys. I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure they're bad because they tried to kill me. Uh, Riley is dealing with the fact that Professor Walsh tried to kill Buffy because it's kind of undeniable at this point. It's all on the screen can't lie to himself anymore so that sends him into a little bit of a spiral uh but he'll probably pull out of it oh he doesn't because he just keeps getting bad news oh shit maggie walsh is dead no mom Mom. oh god i'm suffering from withdrawals because she drugged me no oh there's a super fucking demon monster cyborg with lots of letters and numbers and is he's he's on the loose uh and also my girlfriend hangs out with demons Uh, this is this is too much to handle so riley has a real hard time with this episode uh meanwhile the aforementioned demon cyborg guy is uh, trying to learn about the world. He's murdering children and mutilating their corpses. You know, just learning. It was so beautiful. Uh, and he, through the course of the episode, Buffy needs to find out what exactly is going on. What is 314? So she has no choice but to go to the initiative with Xander and the super secret scientist disguise that no one could ever know that it was actually Buffy because she's wearing glasses. The best disguise. And runs Clark into... Kent. It's good for Clark Kent. Runs into Adam. Yeah, who, who just showed up to say hey. 
I'm me. I'm uh, this, I'm Adam. Uh, I'm the bad guy for the season. I don't know if we haven't met before, but uh, I'm gonna go ahead and kill Doctor Engelman. Uh, I'm gonna stab your boyfriend. And I'm gonna bounce. See you next time. And luckily for all of our friends who were definitely have been murdered, he does leave. He just leaves out of event. Skips out of event like a fucking squirrel. So that's that. Uh, the fun facts. First time we've seen Willie in a while. First time we've seen Willie since season three. The Zeppo, actually. And I didn't realize really? that Willie is only in five episodes. Dude makes an impact. Oh, he does. This is the last episode he's ever in. What? Which is such a heartbreaker, right? Uh, he Willie. does so good in this one. He just wanted to turn his life around. I, I imagine that he gruesomely got murdered at the end of this episode. No, he, I mean, it's... They mention him okay. all the way into season seven. Okay. So it's assumed that he lives. You know? So it's like a throwaway, like, go check Willie's place. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And we do actually go to Willie's place, but it, Willie isn't there. Right. Like, And we've been to Willie's place before and he wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Like, Kendra was there with, yeah. So that's a, that's a bummer that he's yeah, not going to be in again. Um, he's like a proper actor, though. That guy. Yeah, he's in stuff. So sure. he had other things. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah At least there's that. Yeah, I guess the... The recurring role on Buffy. Super, super semi-recurring role on super, Buffy. It wasn't super enough to sustain yeah, right. his acting I mean, career. it was good enough for the Ethan Rain guy. Like, he only got three, right? So, yeah. like, all right. True. Uh, there's a first Buffy and Adam fight. So there's that. The newscaster that mentions pretty coldly that the child's been <laughs> murdered and mutilated has actually been on this show before. Really? Uh, she's played by Amy Powell, and she was in Amends. She was a newscaster that's like, the freaks oh, snowstorm. I'm pretty sure. sure. I'm pretty sure that's her. But <laughs> she's definitely in that episode. Can't confirm if that's her. So the yummy sushi pajamas are clearly mm. the most important thing that happened in this episode, short of Willow and Tara talking about sex. I mean spells. I mean sex. Uh, they did not have sex, gal pals. Gal pals for life. They did not have sex. <laughs> the yummy sushi pajamas are made by a company called the Cat's Pajamas. Yeah, I was going to say, if somebody is in marketing and <laughs> oh, making money oh, yeah, on so, those immediately, so they're, they're, they're the real. The is called the Cat's Pajamas, and they're still a company. They still have a website. Great. And on their website, they sell pajama sets. Go figure. seen on. Uh, seen on. No, I swear to So, like, uh, <laughs> this company also... Uh, Bergman is her name. I can't remember. The, the woman, Cynthia Bergman, that does the costuming for Buffy, the uh, mm-hmm. wardrobe stuff. She must have liked this company because the butterfly pajamas that Buffy's wearing in Beer Bad were also purchased through this company. But they were $86 oh. in 1999 slash 2000 when they were purchased for the show. They are now on the website. Still, there there's multiple categories like prints and plaids and different things. There's one category that just contains sushi pajamas. And when you click onto it, there's a description of this fucking episode of Buffy wearing it. So Amazing. pretty great. They are now, however, going to set you back $108. Ooh. So, uh, I mean, do what you want. I, I think they're worth the investment. I mean, um, they, are they comfy, though? That's what I need to I know. think they look pretty fucking comfy. I mean, they're just pajamas, yeah. right? I mean, you can't really go wrong. That probably would have sounded more commanding if I wasn't wearing my yummy sushi pajamas. And the Frankenstein scene. Frankenstein scene. The scene with Adam and the little boy. Is yeah. a direct homage to Frankenstein, nineteen thirty-one, played by Boris Karloff. Mm. There's a little girl, Maria, who is throwing flowers into a river. Frankenstein's monster happens upon her, and he's like, "Oh, cool!" I mean, he doesn't say this because he doesn't talk. But if he did, he would say, "Well, it's pretty cool. You throw the flowers in the water like that. They're like floating. That's neat. I wonder what happens if I throw you into the water." Throws the kid in the water, and she drowns. But in the cut that was released, they took that scene out, except for in certain European markets, I guess. And then when it was released on video many years later, uh, that scene was in there. So 
pretty neat. That's fun. <laughs> Even when was this the thirties? Yeah, fun. But we'll learn more throwing about that kids. stuff in a little bit. Love um, throwing kids in rivers. Not much more about Frankenstein. Okay. No, but about that golden age of uh the golden of cinema. Golden age. Cinema. I want to hear it. I want yes. it. Yes. When this came out, nineteen thirty-one, it specifically said in the wikipedia description for the movie that it was part of the pre-code era it was a pre-code movie and i was like what the fuck does that mean and then i was like hey why learn when i I could test that out to somebody else so i asked nisha to learn about what exactly the pre-code era of hollywood was and i would like you to tell me now please today's movies are kind of like popcorn you know you forget about them as soon as they're done i do remember i like the popcorn though Okay, buckle in <laughs> for an incredibly brief and probably flawed history of cinema over the last 140 years. Woo-hoo! Yes. <laughs> um, so the first movie was, uh, I guess you'd call it stop motion animation. This guy took pictures of a horse running and then mm. strung it together. And it's like basically a flip book, but no. not an actual book. That was in 1878. Oh, shit. The first quote unquote real movie was the next year, 1888, and it is just a little bit over two seconds long. It's just literally a woman standing in a garden. And then, possibly the most famous idea of, like, a first movie is Arrival of a Train, which happens in 1895, which legend has it that people didn't know what movies were, and when the train came barreling towards them on the screen, they all got so scared, they screamed and ran out of the theater. So they thought it was a real train and not a movie. People are gone. (laughs) I hope that's not true. <laughs> so, but between this stop motion animation of a horse running up to talkies, which happens yeah. in 1927, we have this like kind of golden age of cinema where basically anything fucking goes, yeah. including fucking. Hey, <laughs> oh. hey, <laughs> yeah. So, um, basically, Hollywood found that um, the raunchier and the more violent, the better. That's what people wanted to see. That's Here. what they were. They were going for, and yeah. so um, in this era of Hollywood, they had all of these movies that like depicted gratuitous sex, naked people, Dope. drug use, Dope. all of this kind of homosexual. Whoa. Love life. Um, all right. Gay too people were far. just invented in the 60s. I know. So. Too I know. far. I know. Too far. They're just like chill, too. Like, it's just like, oh, there's just like lesbians in the background, or they're like at a gay club with like yeah. males dressed up as like French maids serving people, and it's like not even a thing. There's this one movie with Marlena Daytrick where she's just oh, yeah. dancing around, and then she kisses a girl, and everyone in the audience cheers. And it's like not a thing, and it doesn't matter. We conjure the goddess Thespia to help us locate demonic energy in the area. Shouldn't be too tricky. The goddess Thespia? Are you sure we're ready for that? You and me? This is beneath us. 1927, they introduce um, movies with sound. So before that, you have the silent movies that just have like an orchestra backing it or whatever. So now we have um, sound where people can talk. And at the same time, religious people started to get a little uppity. And they were like, wow, this is a little too profane for me. As soon as we could say fuck on film, we said fuck. As a good Catholic, I cannot... Deal with the fact that there are movies that portray happy, loving adult relationships. Yeah. Illicit drugs. Sex is for procreation. Yeah. So they came up with this list called, they had a list of don'ts and a list of be carefuls. Oh my God. <laughs> Starting in 1927, <laughs> where this like Catholic group got together and they were like, don't ever show these things on film. And also, if you're going to show these other things on film, be very careful about how you're depicting it. 
And so from their list of 1927 don'ts, I'm going to read it because it's not very long. Pointed profanity, including any version of God, Lord, Jesus Christ, unless you're devoutly praying in the movie. Um, Any licentiousness or suggestive nudity, in fact, or in silhouette. Not Mm. only can you not show these things like in full SD yeah. <laughs> low deaf quality that they had then you also couldn't imply it right. with like a silhouette of a nipple i guess right i don't know illegal traffic in drugs any inference of sex perversion aka gay people yes. white slavery black slavery Ooh, totally fine. fine miscegenation which is uh white, white and black people having happy mm. relationships together <laughs> uh sex hygiene slash venereal diseases Ooh. Scenes of actual childbirth. This is also, you can't do it in silhouette either. We've all seen that one. (laughs) Children's sex organs, which is a thing they had to ban. Oh, Oh, no. So I'm I'm for that one. Um, That one's not great. Get on that. (laughs) And childbirth one. Um, And then the last two are ridicule the clergy and willful offense to any nation, race, or creed. So you're not allowed to do anything offensive. Except to black people because they're not real. They don't count. (laughs) Um, (laughs) As long as you're white. Right. (laughs) Or European. Um, So that's their list of don'ts. They also had a much longer list of be carefuls, which basically was like this guide to how to maintain like traditional values. Like, you know, like this Catholicism of like, if you're going to show a pastor, they better be a good pastor. If you're going to show crime, you better show the criminal gets a punishment. Like you're never supposed to show these things in the light that makes it seem like drugs would be fun. Because if someone's doing drugs, they're going to die. Like, right. There needs to be certain messages Punishment. that you're portraying if you're going to do these things. So that's 1927. They have a couple of years where, like, this is the thing people are kind of talking about. In 1930, they actually set a code called the Motion Picture Production Code, which is essentially this. They made it a little more formal. Um, and Hollywood's like, yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess we can do it. But there wasn't any level of enforcement. It was just a thing they agreed to do. But 1930 is also, like, the Great Depression, mm-hmm. and Hollywood is struggling. And they're like, hey, if people are going to buy tickets to our porn and our violence, <laughs> we're going to keep making those things. Yeah. Um, so they did. And then these Catholics got even huffier about the whole thing. And in 1934, they made this, like, committee and essentially made it a requirement that you had to pass their, essentially, background check and get um, accredited before you could show your film. So... People start reviewing these films and saying, no, this isn't appropriate. Take it out. You have to cut it. You can't show your film. Um, So Frankenstein happens in 1931 in this, like, gray area where, like, the code is happening, but there's no enforcement, so they let it happen. Um, But after that, like, the second movie, The Bride of Frankenstein, a lot of it ended up getting cut because uh, it didn't meet code. the code. There were actually a number of anti-Nazi films that got quashed because uh you can't show negative depictions of other nations (laughs) even if it's nazis killing people so there were a bunch of movies in uh the 40s that never happened because the code was like no no that's not that's not okay so the code continues throughout like 1950s and 1960s um but this thing starts happening where they start importing well there's two things that happens first the supreme court rules that you can't have a production company of a movie cannot own the movie theater. Right. Like, you can't have that monopoly. So once that's broken, like, they don't have this stranglehold over it. So movie theaters start importing foreign films, which don't have to abide by this code of ethics 
So they now have racier, mm-hmm. more violent movies coming in that people can go watch that these like code movies can't really compete with. So they start like loosening the regulations and they start letting some things through that they normally wouldn't have otherwise. Um, and then by the end of the 1960s, they give up the code completely and the MPAA is mm-hmm. instituted in 1968, which starts with like fewer ratings, but it's essentially supposed to tell you whether good catholic god fearing people can watch the movie or whether it's like you degenerate she yeah. means god not general <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly um specifically with frankenstein though the scene with the monster with the little girl after the code was enforced they went back and they cut that out and yeah. they didn't let you see it in um the united states and in kansas they actually requested that 32 scenes get cut from Frankenstein? From Frankenstein, because they found them um, offensive. So it like literally cut the movie in half. Oh, but one of the things, because you couldn't say the Lord's name in vain, when like one of the famous lines, once he brings the monster to life, he says, now I know what it feels like to be God. And that had to be cut because that was... Blasphemous. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Incredible. But so generally the scenes that ended up getting cut from these movies were kind of like lost to history like they didn't keep records like it was cut from the master of the film like there's no master but in frankenstein they actually ended up finding copies of what was cut in the 1980s and recut it back into the film so you can watch the whole thing pre-code wow today cool in case you want to people still find boxes of like they believe that there's so many movies that are Mm -hmm. up in people's fucking attics that have been Mm -hmm. lost to history and it's like here it is. Yeah. Here it is. Because they never kept them. They're just like, fuck it. I mean, don't want it. reading about the movies pre-code Hollywood is fascinating. There's this one where women dance around topless singing about how much they love marijuana. Nice. There's another one where so, Sherlock Holmes so. has a raging coke problem to the point that he has like a giant cookie jar that just says cocaine on it. <laughs> that he's just like, hey. <laughs> so, solve yeah. a crime. Solve a crime. Solve a crime. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> what a fun world. Yeah. I mean, I think it's fascinating because it's really easy for conservatives and certain people to get super puritanical about, oh, things were so much better in the past. People oh, would yeah. never be this lascivious or, mm-hmm. or this demoralized, No, have no morals like yep. that in the past. Everything was so pristine and upstanding. And it's like, nah, dude, we've always wanted to fucking blow shit up. That's all I've always, always wanted to do. I mean. Since time began. They started making porn the moment they could take photos. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, that was one of the early ones. There's the video of a yeah. girl yeah. taking yeah. off and... Mm-hmm. Girl in a bathtub. Yeah, those yeah. are like famous first. That's what people wanted to do first. Yeah. Yes. Hey, girl, get in that tub. <laughs> Good let's, to film let's, you. Let's see what this that. looks like. <laughs> I want to watch this forever. <laughs> I mean, it's true. But yeah, so it is absurd when you hear like uh, society's going down the toilet because now they can say the F word in movies and it's like, you have no idea. No. <laughs> Would you like one of my flowers? Well, thank you for that 100 yeah. year history of, yeah. of film as we yeah. know it. Holy that moly. Awesome. Uh, that was way more interesting than this episode of Buffy, which is what we're actually I mean, here to talk about. That's true. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't have a whole lot to go through. The It's pretty thin. It, it's Riley spiraling out and the initiative. Okay, everybody grab a weapon. We've got to move. Let's throw them the initiative? Yeah, let's take on those suckers. I was thinking more that we'd hide. Oh, thank God. I am going to be in the minority here. I think that this is a better episode than the Iron Team. I think Marty Noxon did a great job. I think that it's easy to conflate our hatred of the initiative and the storyline of the initiative with an episode, right? Like, I disagree with this episode existing. I hate (laughs) why it's here. I hate the story. I hate it all. 
But what Marty Noxon did was actually pretty good. Riley, I mean, even just tantalizingly, he's a super soldier. He's a brother of Adam. Like at this point, I don't know what any of that means. If I'm watching this live, I'm like, is that his actual brother? Is Riley a fucking robot? Is this, you know, you might not be into the science fiction aspect of it all, but it's not inherently bad. I mean, it probably will get worse. But it's kind of fun. He's like, I'm a robot guy. I have a floppy disk. <laughs> At least it's weird, right? It's different than the other ones, you know, the other villains that we've had. Spike's confrontation with the demon when he gets kicked out of the place, it at least answers the question of, like, mm. how is he going to remain on our side and friends with us? Right. Like, that was an important thing that had to happen. And honestly, the Terra scene, the Terra and Willow scene, I was like, I was scared when Tara walked in and at first Willow's like, we never had sex. That did not happen. <laughs> but honestly, when Tara, when Willow was like, I had so much fun last night, these spells, these spells. Uh, and basically just like, let's conjure up this crazy fucking demon. And then Tara instantly, she said, well, and I wrote Tara on her gravestone. Okay. If you say so. <laughs> and I was just like, oh no, this is the start. This is it. And then when she threw that shit out, I was like, oh, no, Tara knows. Tara is well aware of the danger. Like, she even sees it right now. Willow's off the fucking rocker. This is episode three with those with those two. It's cute that he doesn't remember how the show goes. Yeah, he doesn't. Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> Continue. Okay, well, anyways, from my perspective, Tara knows. Or doesn't know, but she's like, I don't want to conjure this. Well, they're not conjuring a demon. They're well, looking right, for. Right. They're, but they're doing the thing. She was like, you're not powerful. As I saw it, you're not powerful enough to do this. Mm. She's kind of scared. She's kind of nervous that they're going to do it. And then when it's like, let's do it. She's like, I don't want to do that's it. That's a great take. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So maybe that's, that's like her mom or something. Uh, that's okay. No, I don't know what's going to no. happen. Tara thinks we, she's a demon. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, Tara thinks that Willow's a demon. No, that, no, that she's, she's a, a demon. demon. Oh, that's even sadder. Yeah. And so she's afraid that if they cast the spell that then points out all the demons. It'll be like, demons. there's a glowing demon light yeah. in the storm room. Yeah. Oh, no. And then yeah. Willow will be like, ah, demon, and run away and never love her again. That's yes. so sad. Yes. I know. <laughs> okay. Well. It's not a real big plot point except for the one episode where we mentioned it again, but it is literally never talked about until then. Yeah. Well, okay. So just like everything else I'm saying, I expect all of this, all of my words to mean nothing by like an episode or two from now <laughs> yes. because so far so good like right that's a great now point. I mean, that's, i'm okay it's mysterious right like that's the whole point yeah that like oh why did well, you sabotage like, this what spell? What the i was what not expecting that so yeah. i was really into that and the bad stuff is all the same bad it's buffy and riley are overwrought it's annoying they're annoying the storyline's <laughs> annoying um but you know but at the end of the day it's like i feel like there's a little bit of uh a focus going on it's like a focused story it's happening they had moments where they talked to one another, unlike Doomed in a disjointed way. At least they had a conversation through multiple scenes that all made sense. That's true. And Riley took a dissent, and we can feel how we want to about that. But, like, I don't know. It, it all it was all fine to me. I think you make some valid points, Stacia. It's ambiguous. How did you feel about the episode? Okay. You know, I think that's twice at least now. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? The initiative comment. brings it out of me. <laughs> Like, I'm looking at my notes and I'm thinking, one, I've already mostly forgotten what happens in this episode. And I literally we did just, yesterday. and I just watched it through two hours ago. Yeah. Two, three hours ago. Um, so it's completely unmemorable. It's also like the, the points that stick in my head is mostly Adam at the end and his insufferable speech about, like, <laughs> I'm a kinematically redundant biomechanical demonoid. 
designed the by evil Maggie bitch Walsh. Monster of death. She called me Adam, and I called her mother. Adam, Maggie would want you to stand down. Yes, but I seem to have a design flaw. In addition to organic material, I'm equipped with GP2D11 infrared detectors, a harmonic decelerator plus DC servo. She pieced you together from parts of other demons. And man. And machine. Which tells me what I am, but not who I am. Yeah, it tells me what I am, but not who I am. Right. And like the computer, I, the machine tells me. I ripped what. open that boy, and it was beautiful. But what does it mean? Right. And I'm just like, ugh. Like I can, I know this is Joss writing this scene. He thinks he's being so deep and like trying to like hit at some like darker meaning about like what is it to be human, what is it to be a demon or something. And it just makes me wish Adam could just spontaneously combust. <laughs> I think your mileage will vary on the science fiction element of it. Yeah. Like yeah. with a show like this too, I think it's just where you come in and what you like. I mean, that's fine. But also we literally just met Adam and he's suddenly just like pontificating to us, which is really tedious. And then too, again, I feel like the whole problem goes back to like, but what is the point of him? Yeah. Why did she make a monster she can't control that's going to immediately kill her? Like yeah. it seems no one can control him. I guess he's supposed to be a super soldier, but if you can't, control him then he's the worst super soldier ever that's my question like that's what i'm like i i kind of just see it as like a a, an extension of maggie almost right almost maggie is the villain she gets replaced by yeah what maggie would be (laughs) like this is maggie the end of maggie in here that this is why the whole plot line of the initiative fails is as we've spoken about last episode and in the episode the initiative i'm sure that we've been talking about it every time it comes up which is too much but it there's no clear anything. I, I mean, it is the super soldier thing. My only thought, because it's not laid out. And I think there's a, a fine line, and they have not threaded the needle, of no. uh, amb- ambiguous for the sake of mystery and ambiguous because we just didn't think it through. Yeah. And I really think we fall on the, that side well, of it. The things. doctor didn't seem to be knowing what's going on, but like almost like allowing it to happen. Like he let all of this stuff go on. But right. like he should have had a protocol ready to go when this shit went down. And the fact that Adam can just waltz in and out of this fucking place, left and right and center, is comical to me. Like, why Why is this always the case? Not only is it bad science fiction tropes, but it's also why is every, every fucking um, laboratory is always abutting a fucking wilderness that's unmonitored un- <laughs> every, it's like lost I mean honestly yeah. when he walked out I was like this is lost this is Desmond walking out mm-hmm. of the bunker that he can get out of because there's a back way there's always a back yeah. way yep. in the woods unmonitored why why is that a fucking I thing I read something somewhere or watched something oh yeah it was one of the season 4 extras and the, the guy that does the sets I can't remember he's directed a couple episodes too I should know his name anyway he's talking about season 4 is the episode the season of trees we just really wanted trees everywhere Sunnydale's you know like college campuses sometimes are kind of in the woods so it just was really convenient because the initiative you know we needed people to be able to get places and trees were a good way to make it feel a lot bigger we That's did like, spend a lot more time in the woods yeah, right. And we, we will continue. Yes. Yeah. My brain isn't really functioning on the higher levels. It's pretty much fire bad, tree pretty. I love that he's like, I'm, I, this is what we need. We don't need overarching, you know, symbols and trees and things happening. Maybe but we trees. should flush out the initiatives. To, just, just trees. trees. Okay. As long trees, as there's yeah. trees in it, the audience will go with us. Yes. They'll understand what we're trying to do. Right. Trees. <laughs> That's what this is all about. <laughs> You could look out the window for trees, but why when you can just watch TV and get trees? The other problem with Adam, and this is really more of a last episode question, is 
How did he come to life? He was just like not alive and they yeah. were doing surgery on him and then he's awake to <laughs> everyone's surprise and he kills his creator. And it's really just like such a non-moment and it's really frustrating. Like we should have had Maggie actually bringing him to life yeah, and then oh, yeah. things spiraling out of control. Right. If you're going to do it, do it. Why? Do did, the whole why? Thing. why? Yeah. It's just bizarre. He got his like final piece and it's like, yes. So I think the deal with Adam is that he is the pilot program. Riley is the guy who's supposed to be the one who is the one. Ideally, Maggie would have made Riley the super soldier demonoid cyborg boy. Mm. But she wanted to try it on a loser plea rando nobody first because what if it went wrong? We don't want to fuck that up. I I think that's why he's not right. I mean, he even says in his stupid speech, I seem to have a flaw in my programming. So like it was supposed to be Riley. And and maybe Riley will come after. Like maybe the notes are from the future that of a future unwritten. Yeah. I mean, he has a chip in him. Which oh. we uh, will find out. Then he cuts it out of himself in a very dramatic scene where he's stuck to a chair. I was hoping that it was none of it. I was no. hoping that he was going to have a like a Westworld thing. Like, am I real or not? You know, like. See, that would be really cool. I, I mean, I, I'm glad you said the things you did about there being a lot of seeds of things that could be awesome. Could if be. they handled, if they cared enough to stick the landing. Wow. They did not. They just wanted to be like, cool science fiction shit. What if Riley's related to this somehow? So, yeah, I think that's where the whole mother thing and all that comes in. And he also is, he speaks as though he's been conscious for a while, much longer than yesterday, right? Much longer than Maggie just woke mm. his ass up. So my only thought is, and they even mentioned Engelman and her talk about, I think, yeah, in the IN team, that uh, his motor functions are off the charts right, right, and all that yes, kind of stuff, yes. implying that he's been conscious. They've, They've been, been doing him stuff on something. him. Mm-hmm. So I think that he was just a one-armed, like, I think bit by bit, he's been being made i mean obviously that's the case but they've been testing him along the way so his like brain whatever his computer or organic or a combination of both brain has been turned on uh, multiple times already like he's been made conscious a couple times like because he knows who maggie is like right but isn't that just his programming, programming. Could you just see be the programming. him put the floppy disk in and he suddenly has a bunch of knowledge he didn't well, appear I guess to that have that is the truth yeah. but i do think he's been awake at least once before he kills Maggie. Couldn't it just be we anticipate it would be like this and it's actually way Or they're measuring better. like some kind of chemical signals or like synapses yeah. or something versus I mean, I think, actually moving I around. think what they're doing is they're measuring the actuality versus what their expected outcome was and finding that like reality is yeah. a lot stronger than they thought it would be. Or they put in a floppy that says motor skills and just yeah. to test him do, you know. He did it. Well, exercises like does this tear his skin apart? Yeah. Does this tear his skin? Oh, apart? that's another irritating thing about Adam, which is like some parts of him needs to be stapled together, and other parts they're just like fused together. Like they Unreal. were always one part, and it's really irritating. I don't hate the makeup though. Like I think I it's applied either. really well, especially the painting on him. Like there's so much like veins and stuff you can really see in his demon skin. It looks I mean, really it's good. It's fine. It's just it doesn't make sense. And then the brace on his knee, like what that is that for? It's an insult. Make any sense? Why, Why would he his... need a leg brace? He's a fucking machine. Why doesn't his or whatever it's a demon machi- leg? Even Maybe it's still, like a fish why is it over fin. the pants? I just don't like. And it's only actually metal in the front. The back of it is fucking duct tape. Like it's literally duct tape. You can see it crinkle and crack. Like what the fuck is that leg brace? They were gonna get to it later. <laughs> we were hoping he you didn't up. notice. This well, is not supposed to be an HD. What I will say, though, that kind of like talk, because I think it is programming all of it. However, how did you wake up, right? Mm-hmm. No motherfuckers leaving the Maggie flop, the Maggie floppy inside of his body. <laughs> I know. I know what I said. Um, but nobody's leaving that, right? So like he woke up on his own. 
and then he's like, oh shit, cool, a stack of floppy disks. Well, no, but that sort of speaks to you. He's like, I know, because they've maybe been putting those in me, Mm -hmm. so I know to grab them, because I need them. I need information. There's no internet yet. I mean, there is, but I don't know what that is. Thank God there's cargo pants. So you can just keep them tucked right there on his person. (laughs) Do you think if we still had Moloch the Destroyer, that they would just be like besties? Oh, they would be super buds. I would love to see that adventure. Passing their floppies back and forth. (laughs) No, don't pass the floppies. Yes. Uh, the other thing that happens in this episode is Riley having a complete and utter emotional Slide breakdown. I'm sorry. Just, I'm stuck back in the Moloch thing like, are you jacked in? <laughs> oh, no. 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 It's Moloch. The Corruptor? Oh, boy. I should have remembered. So. You don't seem exactly surprised, but the only reality is virtual. If you're not jacked in, you're not alive. <laughs> Mullock is jacked into Adam. Forrest is jacked into Riley. Riley. Right, right, right. Yeah, okay. uh, <laughs> Got it. Uh, speaking of Riley and his jackness, uh, he yeah, Riley he, is not as jacked as Adam though. No, but it would have been got a, some layers of demon. Oh, on you him. think so? So Riley, if he became the super soldier, they would just layer bulk the him de- out. bulk him out. I see this guy. He's a real guy. Yes. You know, I mean, they do the he's same a big thing guy with Forrest. That's oh, okay. Right. So they make him like even beefier or well I mean he's really beefy but they don't I don't think they yeah. make no. it bigger I mean Riley's beefy for sure but he's yeah. not as beefy as this guy this guy's a, like a bodybuilder you know yeah but he's not like that when you see him at the end uh, of Restless he's he's not his he's neck just... does not look like that like those whatever those are called those yeah, yeah, trap those trapezius whatever the the big neck muscles he yeah. doesn't have that okay. going on so I think they friends don't let friends skip neck day neck day right? <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Uh, Riley doesn't take it well that his entire world is a lie. Um, no. He can't trust anyone or anything. That all was kind of a problem for me. That was maybe my bigger, another problem for me. It was just like the um, exposition from Dr. Engelman or whatever. Like, these guys don't know they've been getting meds through their food. So we better get them in here, stat. We've located all but a few. The last ones were in pretty bad shape, but we stabilized them. But Finn wasn't one of them, right? No. Find him. He's the one I care about. He's too important to the work to lose now. Indeed. Their kids aren't getting their drugs that are keeping them in line. Holy like, oh, who's. You don't have to say that to this guy. He knows why he mm-hmm. needs to find Riley. But we need to know. And my bone we to pick. To we just established last week <laughs> that Riley takes vitamins. Right. We made a point to be like, oh, Riley is taking a regimen of vitamins every day. He's got an alarm set. He has to take the vitamins. Mm-hmm. But instead of using that thing we already set up, yeah. we decided to add this convoluted plot device of, oh, it's in their food. Because now we have to ask, are they eating all of their meals at the initiative? But we know they we, aren't. We, we know, know they're they not. Are because again, in the last episode, we see him eating a fucking Twinkie and they're always in the lunchroom at school, which makes the question, are they drugging everyone at UC Sunnydale? No. Then when the fuck are they eating this food? Why not just say it was the vitamins? I it's, don't understand. It's a beer bat situation. How did that beer get directly only to them from the keg? <laughs> <laughs> this universe works in ways we can't comprehend. I did like him already spiraling out, you know, mm. from the event and then have that coincide the as well. Thing. Almost like him leaving was, you know, obviously the literal... He is sick, but also inside he is sick, you know? It just works on so many levels. Um, yeah, I liked it. I I mean, the scene inside of Willie's was pretty crazy. Yes. What are you doing here? Following me? You told me you were tracking the Bogar demon. I thought I'd help. But now I see you're not hunting demons. You're socializing with them. Again. Thought you were supposed to be killing these things, not buying them drinks. Oh, that's smooth, Officer Riley. They teach you those undercover moves in Special Forces? You know, I'm serious, Buffy. 
What are you doing here? Just cooling a dog like the rest of us. Why don't you sit down, relax? I want you to tell me. Who are you? Pulling a gun on Grandma mm-hmm. was wild. Yeah. Again, all of the confrontational scenes and all of the scenes, they're longer than usual. It just feels like a, unlike Doomed, a very correct episode. It's like scene by scene by scene, it all works. Do you do you find Riley to be sympathetic? Right now? Yeah. N- I still no, I don't. I don't find him to be sympathetic because I still th- I think that he's still on Maggie's side. Mm. I think he's still a a boy. He's, for he's a boy at heart. Yeah, for sure. But he is he is like he is smiling out. I mean, I, I I get Buffy wanting to help him, but that's also her flaw, and that makes the show tedious. Well, there's this weird scene between him and Forrest when he's like, but Maggie wouldn't do that, right? And then Forrest says... She tried to kill Buffy. Maybe Buffy needed killing. It was like Forrest knows what's going on to a greater degree than Riley does, which is weird since it seems like Riley is Maggie's pet project. But at the same time, it's really hard to have sympathy for someone who thinks the world is so black and white. That they can kill things without even questioning it and then think... There's no gray area here. Yeah. And I don't need to know why we're doing this. Which is why the initiative period is, is insufferable because yeah. people should question, think you think for yourself, question yeah. authority, right? But like that is also the MO of the military period. I think Forrest is um, more dedicated, like he's more xenophobic, period. Like yeah. he's just, they're animals, they're yeah. fucking, it doesn't matter. There is no gray area. There is no question to be asked. But to a greater degree, he's like, also kill Buffy if it's not. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but also, I that fucking hate your girlfriend. So. <laughs> Tomato, no. tomato. It always said, "Yeah." Uh, I, when children are just like, "Yeah, they should die," you're like, "Okay, this is tough." <laughs> These are kids. Like, she's a pain. Always want to know why this and why that. And you're saying she should die because of that? I don't know. I also don't think Riley's very sympathetic either. This, this, but I think Lucas was acting pretty well. Like, I think he, I think he, he did really a good did. Job. I think he did the best job he could do. Mm-hmm. It's like the pack and stuff, though. Unfortunately, he gets you sort of. Um, you almost want to give him a pass because he's sick, right? The whole he. He can almost write off everything he's done because I was suffering because of, he was under he was drugged the whole time, mm-hmm. right? He's been fed drugs, and so far I don't know how that's going to play out. I mean, I know what's going to happen. He's still going to believe some of it, but like it's easy for us to be cynical because we're not people that are like yay military and it, we've since we've never been in the military or organization as such. It's easy to not understand how you could be, for lack of a better term, brainwashed into that. Like Forrest on top of being xenophobic is such a company man. Like, of course uh, there is no other option other than Maggie was doing something right. If Buffy was, she was trying to kill Buffy is because she needed to be killed. There is no other explanation for this situation. And by you not realizing that we're, I don't know if we're on the same team anymore because rule number one is thou shalt not ask questions. And that's what you're doing right now. So it's easy for us to be like, dude, obviously the military is fucking doing shady shit. Like, obviously you're already on the bad team so for him to have this crisis riley to have this crisis of like am i the bad guy it's like obviously they're the bad guys like how could you not think you're the bad guys you are a secret government organization hands have courage my friend yeah uh, hands i've just noticed something these communists are all cowards <laughs> have you looked at our caps recently our caps the badges on our caps have you looked at them? What? No. A bit. They've got skulls on them. <laughs> have you noticed that our caps have actually got little pictures of skulls on them? I, I don't, so... Hands. Are we the baddies? 
these but people if demons are, are bad, Kelly. I know exactly. So like, yeah, good job, Riley, for questioning that. Where obviously no one else is. Nobody in the initiative. Are is. they all being fed too? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and that's what during that really. Uh, blatant exposition scene. Well, I didn't know if it was he's just like, some people. Yeah, he's like, we uh, we got most of them. They were pretty rough shape, but Finn wasn't with them. Oh, right, no. Right. no we're still looking at him. Yeah, cause... yeah, but I mean, but even saying like, why is, uh, Forrest seems to be more into it than even Riley, but Riley might be the super soldier in training, but Finn, or Finn, Forrest, might not be drugged, right? He might just be actually a part of it, but like, no, they're, his they're, role is supposed to be subordinate and help Riley. Yes, it is, but they're be, all being drugged. But they're all being drugged. Yeah, okay. but Riley was the only one that was going to be selected to become Adam, oh, yeah, basically. Okay. Yeah. But Forrest gets changed, too. I don't know if that was ever part of... That's the other... Oh, yeah, because Adam takes up the charge. I was like, why does that even happen? That's right. Adam's like, I must finish Mother's work. I will turn people into cyborg demons. Mother. Except for Angleman and Maggie, I'll make them weird zombies. Oh, Not cyborg demons. <laughs> Come so sorry, on. so sorry. Oh, Angleman. He just took so long to realize that Maggie was on that floor. Anyway. Oh, he did. He literally walked in. She was laying right in front of him, and he walks over this way, and then slips on bed. Blood this Covered way. Blood, doesn't see her, doesn't see her. Oh. Ah! <laughs> when he would have saw her when he opened the door. Because she's right there. Immediately. Like, literally, they're in the doorway later, and she's right there. I mean, literally in front of them. Mm-hmm. I think this episode feels uh, unlike any other episode to me cinematically. It, we go to weird places like the location where they find the kid's body. Uh-huh. It's a oh, really yeah. big shot, and uh-huh. there's an an angle from behind Buffy's shoulder that it looks like a green screen. But it, I think they're actually there. It, it just it it's weird. Like we spend so much time in Xander's basement. Oh, really we weird. have this strange outside shot. We're doing like the military hospital that we never knew existed. I mean, it, I don't think that is, is that just a wing of the initiative. We might find that out. I think it is. I think it is. Yeah. Oh yeah, we. Oh yeah. Yeah, can we talk about how ridiculous that is? Riley gets stabbed. He's going through withdrawals of some serious, like, doped-up steroid situation, and then they just dump him in a bed with his pants still on mm-hmm. and like a dirty bandage, mm-hmm. and just leave him there. Yeah, that's and he's how just you like hospital. sweaty and pale still. Like, what is that really the kind of healthcare we're offering our secret agents? Everyone know. knows that if you're in the military, even if you have to have major surgery, you have to keep on your cargo pants. We'll take it from here. I'm going with him. It's a military hospital. No. Back off. We take care of our own around here, understand? At least Do we had... want to know what's under the cargo pants? <laughs> At least he has Buffy's little tiny head scarf thing. I'm surprised that they all made it out alive because motherfucking initiative were shooting through the door, which was <laughs> absolutely the best. They're shooting through the fucking door. And then when fucking Riley is like, get off my fucking boyfriend. She's like, I'm not going to leave him. The fucking initiative pulls their goddamn guns. Fucking pulls Insane. out the guns. Like, I, it's absolutely wild. I mean, that's, that's okay. So there's four of them. Graham is one of them. He doesn't have a gun. I don't know why he doesn't get a gun. But they, they, they point their guns at Buffy. They make sounds as if they're cocking them. They are not. So the, the noise doesn't make any fucking sense. The the third guy, who isn't Graham, doesn't point his, his weapon at Buffy. So I don't know why only two of them got the message. This means point your gun at Buffy recklessly. They're also big guns. And like They're I feel like guns. you're going to You guys suck. And you're accidentally going to kill Forrest. Live too. ammunition, boys. You're going to look at Forrest over. and Riley and be like, I can't tell the difference between them. And you're going to shoot both of them <laughs> by accident. That's what's going to happen. Oh, God. Okay. Well, I know we've been yelling a lot already, but... Um, I think that maybe we can do it in a more organized way. Or we can just continue. You do, you do have, have bleeding, bleeding tragic, tragic taste, taste in, in men. 
I got a cousin married to a regurgitating Frovelops demon has got better instincts than you. What does my taste in men have to do with this? You think Riley was out knitting booties for your future offspring while Maggie was stringing you up? Says Spike, ironically, because she will end up dating him. I love uh, Spike in that scene as well when he leaves, not only his thumbs up. Which is oh funny. my God, perfect. But he also equates the bullshit on this show and Riley and by association, Angel as well, to the bullshit that he sees when he watches Passions in all of his stories. Uh, so I like it because it's like winking at the melodrama that the show is, has built into it. You can't get away from Riley and Buffy, but we can try our best to make fun of it while we do it. It's a thumbs up at And that's why Buffy's great. It has to happen. Riley and Buffy have to be melodramatic because it's the DNA of the show. Mm-hmm. But we can at least make fun of it. Yes. Um, I... Generally, do not fall on Xander's side about many things and his over. Oh, you're so excited. And his like over drastic warnings about Buffy's previous boyfriends. I guess boyfriend. It's always. <laughs> Bye, Angel is always really irritating. However, when he's like, how have you not considered that Riley is a bad guy to Buffy when it hasn't even crossed her mind? I know. Surely that can't happen again. It no. drives me nuts because I'm like, of course you should be suspicious of Riley. He's clearly Maggie's pet project and Maggie is evil. How does Riley not know anything? And if he doesn't, loves- isn't that a bad sign too? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's a great point. About your oblivious boyfriend and she's just like, oh no, it's fine. My boyfriend's going through withdrawals and uh, he, he hit me and threw my friend on the floor, but I love him. Even at the end. Standing next to Xander like, (laughs) Just even at the end when she's on the fucking bench with Willow and they're just having the same conversation. Buffy, to no end, is so fucking annoying. It's so annoying. Your boyfriend's an idiot or he's evil. It's so bad. Either way, not great. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Buffy, just bringing bring in the noise, bringing the funk. Uh, things are screwed up enough without you two doing scenes for my parents' marriage. Oh, it's a fun little aside. <laughs> just <laughs> throw in there. So good. Really, we get this glimpse inside of Buffy's. Never forget Buffy mind. from my broken home. <laughs> Did you see that poster? This is like not an interesting thing to say, but in, in Xander's basement, there was a poster that I think it was like Beers of the Northwest. Ooh. It's like, thanks, HD. Oh, yeah, go back to Yummy Sushi. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah Northwest. I, I mean, is that what it says, though? Be- beers of the Northwest? No, it just says Northwest, but I'm pretty sure they're pictures of beer cans. That oh, looks like soda to me. Grateful Dead poster? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, Widespread Panic. Huh. Hard to tell. Yeah, Northwest Beers, Widespread Panic. He's definitely smoking some pot down there. Folgers. Folgers. That's what, he has, like, seven frying pans up there behind her. That he can just throw all the better to make your cereal with. Yep, and fucking Giles <laughs> making coffee on the goddamn washer dryer. Like, what is happening? Once they found out that the initiative weren't coming after them, because that was the initial concern, mm-hmm. right? Why did they stay? Hard to say. They could have all just left, right? I mean, I because then Riley took the bed. They can't sleep there. Um, Why are we still here? Are we supposed to believe he's using this candle to cook with? Oh no, that's for <laughs> that's for sex. <laughs> That's the sex candle. <laughs> uh, yeah, the whole idea. He does walk. Doesn't he? Oh no, that's uh, Giles earlier at his house. Oh, he had like yeah. a box we, of chocolates. He's carrying around a bowl of candles oh and like God. something else in his other arm. It's, <laughs> I, at first, I thought they were books, right? Because they're like rectangular shaped. 
And it would make sense that Giles would have books. No, it's just like two fucking weird blocks of wood in a bowl full of candles. <laughs> yeah. like, Obviously for spell. That's what I assumed. Oh, I mean, maybe. I didn't. But I for what spell? Decorating. Yeah. And like, why do you need to move them right now? It's like, we just needed Anthony Stewart to have something to do with his hands. Yeah. Like, what the fuck was that? Ugh. The basement, though. The basement. The basement. Cool. Come on down and boogie at Xander's hideaway. Yes. Come boogie. Absolutely not. I will not squat in that dank hole. What? It was good enough for me, but you're above it all? Precisely. <laughs> There's just... Why did we go to Xander's basement? I know I get the line, which was pretty oh. ge- like great timing of, I don't think the initiative boys are coming after me. Riley busts through the door. Hey, yeah. <laughs> I'm here. Very Let's good. talk about the problem. Uh, so Willow was like, we could go to my place. Now, when she said my place, do you think she meant Buffy at her dorm? Because I could say that it's our place. Yeah. And like... Or do you no. mean Tara's place? I mean, would she be going back to Mama Rosenberg to be like, hey? See, that's what I assumed. It was like, let's really? go to Sheila's house. Why? Why? Because I definitely nobody... think she meant the dorm room. We can't even go to like, that's Buffy's. That's obviously not the place to go. That's fucking Buffy's dorm room. She's just trying to help. <laughs> I do like that Buffy's retort was, yeah, we know we don't really hang out with Xander. They don't really know he exists. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> that coupled with all the Anya stuff of just like. He's my boyfriend. You can't take him. You can't have him. I'll keep that in mind. (laughs) You know, you really should get yourself a boring boyfriend. Like Xander. You can't have Xander. Oh, Graham. Touching the TV when they they walk in. Well, first of all, how crazy was the initiative for no reason going to a random cemetery? Doing a raid on a cemetery? It makes no sense. It makes no sense. Uh, Walking in, though. Interesting. You can't do that today. You can't touch a TV mm-hmm. and say, oh, this is warm. He's been here before. I thought that was pretty, pretty Are we fun supposed touch. to believe that Spike moved the, Unreal. the cement lid, pulled himself under a skeleton, tucked himself in, and then moved the cement lid back on top of himself? Uh-huh. Absolutely insane. Who can't do that? Who can't do that, especially under the gun? Because they had, you know, five <laughs> seconds to, to, oh, shit, the initiative's coming. Let me just move this fucking hundreds of pounds thing. Yeah. <laughs> Quietly. <laughs> Quietly. Get this put right it, back up back on. on. Also, uh, Riley, or not Riley, but uh, Forrest and Graham are ghouls. They left it undone. They yep. left it off. They sure did. They desecrated a, a gravesite, yeah, and they no should problem. go to fucking jail. And yeah. then they smashed the TV just for fun. <sighs> That's where he watches his telly. I know, and now he's going to have to get another one. His stories. I really wish that lady that Riley was pointing the gun at that's like, would I have a corpse on my hand? Would just one pissed out vampire? Is that how Riley talks? That's good. That was that's shocked good. that came out. That's Interesting. Uh, that is exactly what Riley said. I like. really wish that she would have turned it into some like, oh. fucking crazy demon and just went... And just oh, I wish him. that she... <laughs> <laughs> Lady from Double Meat Palace. Just like the dick monster came out of her head. Don't say that again. I wish that she just like turned into like an insect and flew away or something. (laughs) Maybe not killing, but just like it was a demon. I like that we have a a a moment callback to an episode like two episodes ago when Spike is like, I'm just a friend of Xander's. (laughs) (laughs) Never mind, whatever. Yeah. He did his voice. He did the voice. That's Hostel 17. No. I'm just a friend of Xander's. Bugger it. I'm your guy. Friend of Xander. I love it. <laughs> even, uh, I don't know if you guys noticed, but like, even uh, when, what's his face? Riley shows up at the initiative when he pops in out of nowhere and he's like, the uh, the video cameras haven't been working, sir. He he almost, he did exactly huh. the same intonation mm. as, uh, mm-hmm. oh, as the video cameras have been down for 10 minutes. Bitch, you just got here. Sir? How the fuck do you know? Riley, get out of here. Sir. I mean, he just got to that room. I'm sure they've already seen you on the security monitors. Monitors are non-functional at this time, sir. 
Went down about 10 minutes ago. But he was taking down the video cameras, right? Like, that was the implication. Oh, I thought it was yeah. Adam. No. No, that was That was not Xander. It oh. was... It was well, Riley. I, I thought Xander was like, small favors, be quiet. Yeah. No, I, mean, I, thought did it, say that. I thought it was Riley because he was like, Buffy doesn't belong there. I have to go and protect her. And well, then what was Xander saying? What was Xander saying? Oh, he was he just was being like, like, I don't know why it happened. Oh, he's just like, don't care. It's just like, don't question. Yeah. I mean, I thought the, ah, okay. okay. Interesting that we all had a different take on that moment. <laughs> yeah, I thought Adam That's knocked fun. out the cameras because why would he was Adam about care? to make his grand entrance. I thought Xander did, but when would he have done it? Xander would never do it. Well, and also, how would he have done it? I absolutely think it was Riley who took down the cameras and then popped up like, did you guys know the security cameras aren't working? One hundred percent. It was yeah, right. Cool. Wow, I'm glad we talked <laughs> Thank about that. God. <laughs> yeah, dark moment from Buffy. It got her and escaped, didn't it? I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna find it and destroy it. And then you can stop asking me how happy all this death makes me. Mm-hmm. Whew. Good stuff. Somebody had to say it. I was riding someone's goddamn high horse. Mm. Ugh, annoying. Thank God for Anya being the voice of reason after three fucking seasons of. Oh, Xander knows stuff about the military. It's not like he was yes. in the dam. Hey, remember before? No Xander. Not in a boyfriend way or a lead him to a certain death way. He's the only one with military experience. It's not like he was in the NAM. He was G.I. Joe for one night. <laughs> he was G.I. Joe the for NAM. one night. In the NAM. That's right. In the NAM. Uh, Xander is wearing a baseball tee that says, I heart dirt approximately oh, yeah. 15 times. Right. Did you see that? <laughs> I, oh, yeah. Did I see that? Of course Who, I Why? What is that shirt? Of course yeah. I fucking What is that shirt? I love that shirt and I want it. I love. <laughs> I want it I mean, for you. I love the red, the, just the red sleeves. That's fine. Oh, yeah. It's just like a classic baseball tee, right? Mm-hmm. But I heard dirt. I heard dirt. I heard dirt. Sure. Hey, yeah, what's a stockade? Does she mean the brig? When they're like, take take her to the brig. When Engelman or somebody says, take her to the brig about Buffy. Or take her to the stockade. Goddamn. Engelman says about Buffy to Riley, take her to the stockade. Is that stockade when yeah, you Yeah, that's when you have your hands and your head stuck in the... That's what I the... thought. Yeah. I thought that that's what those were called. I thought called. a brig was in a ship. A well, a brig a is a military prison. Yeah. Oh. But I think it is specifically on a ship. Mm. But I'm not sure. Either way, I don't think they're putting her in fucking like manacles or whatever that thing is. The I'm right? sure that it's has a stockade. Is yeah. it that? Yes. It is. Yeah, that's a stockade. I'm sure it's not that exactly anymore. Oh, that's what I pictured yeah. immediately. I mean, that would be amazing. With her bun and her glasses. Just yeah. in a little thing. Yeah. Fantastic. Hot doctor. Yep. Yeah. These demons just go crazy for chicken fingers. They love it. Fun fact. Iconic. Let me get you some free chicken on the house. Those finger sandwiches. Back to the floppy disks. Adam inserts them and never ejects them. You can't do that with floppy disks. What is this? Some kind of newfangled technology? <laughs> CD-ROM? Come on. <laughs> it goes into his demon voice. <laughs> 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 do, well, actually... When, when Buffy rips out his heart, a bunch of floppy disks are flying <laughs> Like, like one of those clown handkerchiefs she's yeah. like pulling bodies out and it's like just like Command and Conquer Rise of Nations oh yes all the old all, just all, it's all war games though it's all like just it's <laughs> <laughs> built upon just amazing ooh the Riley Forrest boyfriend fight I forgot to mention it very much uh, brought back to me the memory of the uh, Six Feet Under with Keith and David have a like fight that turns into sex. Mm. I really thought that was going to happen for oh, Forrest and Riley. They were just going to, ah, could too bad fucking Graham came in and ruined everything. Yeah. Okay, you guys, could we not, please? Everything's screwed up enough without you two doing scenes from my parents' marriage. So there's a scene in Buffy the Vampire Slayer where 
Buffy. Is that what walked, we're talking about? Buffy has walked by two cops. And Riley. Ah! <laughs> Riley. Riley's currently walking through, right? So we're picking up the situation right as Buffy has walked by. She's been there for a while. These potential cops are standing up there and they are on the ridge. You can see them and they're talking to one another. One of them asks our cop, why did he let that girl through? And he said, I don't know. I feel like we've been in this situation before. It's one thing that I interrogated her over the mysterious death of her mother's boyfriend. That I yelled freeze at her while she was fleeing that old and destroyed and still standing somehow Sunnydale High School library after the murder of a friend. That I discharged my weapon while her and another suspect were robbing a sporting goods store in Devereaux last year. Oh, Agent Finn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she's right down the road. Yeah, she's been staring. She's been staring out over there for a long, long while. <laughs> Anyways, you know that I watched her assault a different sexual partner with a rubber stick. <laughs> that I passed by her just a few weeks ago. Looking her straight in the eyes when that boy got his throat slit and the Deathly Hollows carved into his chest. <laughs> but it's another thing, Detective Lawson, that I took a witness statement from her and her mother that those two dead kids that I couldn't and I, hell, I can't still remember. And here she is, another dead kid. A kid that looked like he was played by the child actor J.B. Gaynor, previously seen on Frasier, Mad About You, Party of Five, as the character Tommy for three episodes on Boy Meets World, for God's sakes. He'll never go on to perform Touched by an Angel, Grounded for Life, George Lopez, or reprise his role on Girl Meets World as the ambiguously credited T.J. Murphy. Are TJ and Tommy the same person? <laughs> What's the connection? All the pieces matter, Detective Lawson. They all matter. So. Oh my God! <laughs> that is the same. I don't get it. What is it? Avant-garde? Thank you, Sunnydale PD. Yeah, just keep showing up. I just I love love keeping track. Oh, they will. Joyce has to die sometime. <laughs> Whoa. Do we actually see the cops for that? No, oh, there's, I don't there's an EMT, but yeah. Not, well, not the police. Oh, not the police. Oh, but the cops will be in the next episode. Oh, great. Because they got to come arrest Faith. Oh, well, that's good. I'm down for that. That's right. I mean, Devro. So. Wow. Wow. That was amazing. Uh, I think I would like to take this moment to remind us that we're a real podcast. Uh, and by us, I mean, yeah, just us. Did you know we're a real podcast? And if you wanted to talk to us, you can talk to us at Beat Me Pod everywhere. Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram. Uh, we have a website, beatmepod.wordpress.com. And that'll have all the show notes about these episodes. Notes like, I don't know, Daniel's speech. We should cut that up and put it on the website. Wait, we- it's already in a podcast. Damn. But it'll have other things like, hey, did we play a song during this episode? What was that song? Oh, right there in the show notes for the episode. What if you want to listen to that song? No more convenient place to find it than on Spotify. Where on Spotify? Our playlist, and it's called Beat Me Hyphen Funtime Playlist for Podcast Fans Season 4. And that'll contain all the songs that we play on this podcast here, as well as any song that's available from the show Buffy the Vampire Slayer that's played during the episodes. So subscribe to that. Hell yeah. I would like an update on some watches. Xander Construction Outfit Watch, nobody is a military guy. Maroon Jacket Watch, nah. Didn't see it. Force Escape for Riley Watch. Okay, oh, here we go. Yes. So Riley needs uh, to be alone to think some things through. Forrest, what things, Riley, on a different show? About you and me, Forrest. 
about you and me. <laughs> Forrest talking about Buffy. She's a pain. She's always um, always wanting to know why this, why that. Why do I love you, Riley? And can, and can I count the ways? Like, bitch, I can count. And then Riley, and you're saying she should die for that? And then military hospital, you know, back off. He's my yeah. boyfriend. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Chips Ahoy. Yes, obviously we kind of comes to a head for Spike seeing you know, Agent 17. And then we learn that Riley has a chip. Well, not now. Not now. You spoiled it. So. Yeah, I know. I know. Dauphin watch no. She locked the door. Fuck yeah. Riley, unknown person, just walks into. Yep. Yep. Absolutely fucking rude. No to Sandy. Michael Wicca, Amy Gothwatch. Hell yeah. Tara and Willow. Magic for sure. <laughs> Books a million. Uh, they pour over the Pelagra. Pelagra? Polgara. Polgara. The Polgara mm-hmm. demon. Um, I mean, we don't see the books, no. but we do see Anya getting some coffee to research, right? Mm-hmm. Um, streets Ahead, no, but we do see this back road that the boy was killed at. That's right. And our officer friends. I haven't, I haven't named our officer friends. Well, Doc, or Lawson, Detective Doctor, Lawson. Detective Lawson's who he's talking to. So we got to, mm-hmm. I got to figure out the guy's name. Okay. Uh, and then Charles Biggest KO, um, nothing. He was fine, except for squeaking in the night on an inflatable chair. <laughs> squeaking in the night. Squeaking in the night. Are we having a chair shortage? I didn't read anything about... Oh, I get it. Already. I snapped. And stretched. And stretched. And now it's time to rank this sucker. I'm <laughs> limbered up. Is that now the new... That's the new ritual? The, the snap, snap and stretch. stretch. Snap, yeah. stretch, rank. Willow hacks slash... We talk about the net slash... Something wicked this way comes. Yes, as we mentioned. Lots of sex. I mean spells. I mean sex. Uh... And by lots of, I mean one. But do you think that Willow is in denial about it then? Or do you think that they're just not talking about it? Or because it seemed like there was no sex, just spells. Yeah, I mean, it's just so easy. You can very literally replace the word sex with spells and it just works. Like, I don't just come here for sex, you know. I actually enjoy hanging out with you, but let's have sex. You know, just uh, let's just see. Let's just do that for now, and then maybe I'll introduce you to my. And friends. it's like I want to, yeah, introduce you to my friends or uh, introduce you to a sex move called the. Are you sure we're ready for that? Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, so I give it a seven. It's just the one spell, but I did want to ask. Okay, so the the idea of the spell is we make the square, and the square represents Sunnydale, oh. and then it'll illuminate spots on the on the the square that'll tell us where the demons are, and it even has different colors for different breeds. Great, great, great. That's all great. Okay. There are no, no, zero points of reference on this fucking map, quote unquote. There's no north, yeah. east, south, west. There's really no landmark. Me. There's no flocking, nothing. And unless there's a giant amethyst mountain somewhere in Sunnydale, <laughs> I don't know what the reference is. And since you just made a square, why could we use a fucking map as a square? I don't understand what the, why? It's a great question. <laughs> I would like to say a few points about that. Clearly there is an amethyst mountain. That's the one that appears when Dracula comes in with his giant fucking castle, which disappears in the next episode. And two, I would like to think that there'll be a map magical map if the spell actually worked okay that would show... and that was the only thing i could think too is that yeah. it would like cool but like, yeah i mean it does look ridiculous like that's just a square even yeah. if there is a glowing dot how are you gonna know where i that want is? i i want them to be like here's my lego boat that's the docks here's <laughs> here's a little steeple okay, iconic which here's is where your the dorm room tara <laughs> just was like oh shit i got it i gotta ruin the spell <laughs> No one else's room. Just this room. <laughs> just so we can make sure just we're not surrounded by demons. Yeah, right yeah. exactly. The you are here, Dot. <laughs> Fucking awesome. 
Giles levels of, of Giles, he was super sidelined in this episode. And I saw his foot, which I have never seen before and did not need to see. Nothing wrong with his foot, but I just realized in that moment when I saw it, I was like, I, I, I didn't need I to see it. that. I missed it. But he did wear corduroy. But I gave him a five. He's very ungilesy. Mm. He didn't really fucking do anything. <laughs> no, he just, we're going to keep researching. I mean, they didn't know any better, right? They were looking for the Paraga demon or whatever, Polgara demon. Yeah. They were I, doing their job. I was job. trying to think just now. Yeah, there's nothing. He didn't really do No, he anything. never left the basement. Except conceding completely that the basement is life now. And this is where I live. <laughs> You're brush my Which is kind here. of like, that's a here. rough. I was born in the basement. That's a rough Giles. <laughs> it really is. Look. That's why he gets a five. Yeah. So Riley ruins everything. This might be the first and only time I've ever given this ranking. Or first time I've ever given this ranking. Might not be the only one. Give him a fucking zero. You don't shove Buffy around. Mm, and you don't throw Willow onto the ground on her face. You get a zero when you do that. It's you don't true. point a gun at a grandma. <laughs> It's true. It's Made true. a lot of bad choices. In <laughs> drugs are no drugs. You are you are bad. That's bad. Uh, bad behavior. Monster of the week. We talked about Floppy Boy. I do like the makeup, but other than that, he's insufferable. In the leg brace again. Can't get over it. So number four. Uh, relationship goodness or badness. Buffy and Riley going through a tough time. Going to bring it down. Willow and Tara. Excellent. Bringing it up. And yeah, so the... I would say, and I would say not excellent because Tara obviously is like, oh, this girl. See, that's a good point. Okay, so... Obviously, we know that Willow turns into an abuser, and it's, like, not a great situation. But Tara was the first one to be dishonest in this relationship. She's hiding. She oh. fully believes 100% that she's a demon, right? And she doesn't tell her. Willow, she never tells Willow until it's confronted. Like, her family comes in from out of town, and she's forced to say it. And she goes so far as to put everyone else in danger in that episode to try to hide even further the fact that she's a demon. Now, I know we know she's not, but she's still covered it up for months and then put everybody in danger. So, but that—that's because she was. But that hasn't happened she's sad, yet. I know, but also that's kind of like that's her storyline. We can't be mad at and her. It's so funny that like that's her storyline, but again, it's literally never. We never oh, hint at it. Oh, we yeah. never allude to that she could be somebody suspicious. It is never brought up again oh. until family, which is immediately dealt with, which is season five, episode five, I think. Wait, wait, so right now, her putting that away, we never we learn never about talk that. About it. Really? Never once. Okay, never mind. Fucking. That's what I'm saying. Like you. If this was like two episodes from now, then like it makes sense that we keep. She keeps spoiling the spells, right? She doesn't. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Maybe it was okay. Maybe it was that specific one. But funny, you would do that the episode before family. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Hilarious. That's why I think you were right that this set up a lot of stuff that could be cool. Like the Riley stuff could be cool. Adam could be cooler, but Tara could be interesting. Like, oh shit, maybe she is a a bad guy too. (laughs) Fuck, what an episode. No. None of it matters. More wow. Uh, anyway, gosh, sorry. Xander and Anya are getting along well. And they Spike are. and everybody, they're all buds. And Spike gets his ass beat know, for the sake it. of being on the good guy team. So I love our guys. And obviously, yeah. relationships get a six. Episode specific. This was, I think, Riley's and Mark Lucas's like shining moment of the episode mm. where he's like, am I the bad guy? So that's that's my episode specific. Am I the bad guy? Mm. Because it does feel in that moment like he really is like, shit. That's why the episode title, I think, is better than the episode. It's like, goodbye. I'm like, goodbye, everything I thought I knew. Yeah, goodbye, yeah. safety. Goodbye, home. He also asked Buffy, who are you? Which is a I know, it's like, episode. spoiler. Yeah. So I gave that a five. Because, again, I'm still mad at Riley. But that was a cool line. Yeah. And I think it was indicative of his spiral. Uh, 27. So this is the lowest episode of the season. 14 to 14. Right beneath Beer Ban. Which had 32 points. So a full five points below it. Yeah. Stacia? Um, I really struggled with how to rank this one because it's a stinker of an episode. Fart sound as we. Yeah. Um. 
So I ended up ranking it 57 out of 70. So it's the second lowest of the season. Above. So it's below Doomed and the Iron Team, and it's above A New Man for season three. But in my actual rankings of all the seasons, it's below Anne and Dead Man's Party, because it was like, it's kind of fun there were empanadas. (laughs) (laughs) But above Teacher's Pet, Never Kill a Boy on the First Take, so it was just like, oh, Xander-centric episode. So that's kind of where I got stuck. Yeah. Fair. So. I I put I and Team at one seventeen last week, and this is way better than that. Uh, goodbye, Iowa. I'm putting it ninety eight. Wow, one above Nightmares, which is kind of rough. Mm. That was where I got I felt sad, but <laughs> but that would have meant Goodbye Iowa would have been number one hundred, and that's pretty coveted. And this is, is not it? A, yeah, I think so. That's a cool spot to be. Okay, <laughs> it's like fifty and one hundred. You got to save those. Sure. Okay, sure. This one, no. But then, like above it, right above it is "Never Kill a Boy on the First Date," "Gingerbread," which the cup referenced, uh, "Homecoming," "Enemies," and "Mummy Girl." Like I don't know, those ones are all more iconic. Gingerbread, which the cop referenced, the yeah. cop character that is <laughs> you. No, the cop. I'm not the cop. No, <laughs> no. no, we just heard from. Him. Right. I'm sorry. I forgot he yeah. was in the room with us. When he was. Yes. Yeah. He referenced that. Right. The kids. So 98. 98. Okay. Yes, better than the initiative mm. and better than the INT. Okay. I had more fun. Marty Knoxon, good job. I mean, I think you could argue that Goodbye Iowa is better than the I in team. And I thought about putting it ahead of it. But then I thought about Buffy's speech to Maggie and how badass that was. Yeah. And then I was like, mm, I know that was our only moment we liked, though. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, is there anything in this episode that sticks out? This podcast conversation stands <laughs> out. That's true. Yes. This conversation. And I've was, let that rule me good. before. So mm. I'm surprised I didn't just shoot this up to the 60s. So <laughs> but I will let you sweet. This episode sucks. So let's talk about next week's episode or whatever it is. It's the next next one. Anyway, do you guys have any final thoughts? <laughs> oh, I thought you were about to immediately start. Welcome to this one. <laughs> <laughs> Stacia, do you have anything else to say about this episode of television? No. Dale, do you have anything else to say about this episode of television? No. When's when's Marty Knoxon's next episode? Do you know? I think it's... I can tell you that. I do write them. Oh. Down. Uh, New Moon Rising. Oh, good. Okay. So we'll see her again. Yeah. Uh, Please join us next time for a great episode. I'm so excited to see our girl. Whose girl? This year's girl. Boom. That's right. Faith is back. Get ready. Get ready to go. I'm hot. Until then, thank you so much for listening. Station, say goodbye. Goodbye, Iowa. Aw. Wait, didn't we already fuck this up last week? Yep. Daniel, say goodbye. Retinal scan, Kelly. <laughs> Retinal scan. Yuck. Goodbye. She said that you and I were her favorite children. Her art. That makes us brothers. Family. No. I'm not like you. That's pain, isn't it? Why? Because your feeding schedule, the chemicals have been interrupted? Or do you miss her? Tell me. I'll kill you. You won't. You haven't been programmed. I cannot be programmed. I'm a man. It's here. The plan she had for us. What happens? How it ends. Buffy. I don't know anything. I don't know. Which do you want? The bad guys are. Maybe I'm the bad guy. Maybe I'm the thing you should kill. I mean, what do skulls make you think of? Death, cannibals, beheading, um, 
pirates. Pirates are fun. I didn't say we weren't fun, but fun or not, pirates are still the baddies. I just can't think of anything good about a skull. What about pure Aryan skull shape? Even that is more usually depicted with the skin still on. All units, we have a fugitive on foot at the high school. Homicide suspect, female, blonde, approximately 16 years old. Suspect is very dangerous. Ever been to Iowa, Riley? God, if that's even your name. It is. Born and raised. 